So recording this from my end is going to be a little bit a, a little bit like having a danger wank. Would you like to explain to the audience what a danger wank is for those who aren't familiar? <laughs> um, well, basically, you start your um, <clears throat> wank, and um, then uh, you basically shout, Mum, come here a sec! And then you have to finish and clean up before your mum comes into the room. Christ. It's high-risk, high-stress masturbation. <laughs> Welcome back to the Shipping Forecast. I'm James. Uh, I'm Nick. And I'm Grace. And where we left off last week, we each had three fan fictions to go away and read. I had The Brown Ascension. Nick had In Which Amy Has a Penis. Yeah, that's the one. And Grace had Proposal, hmm. in which Rose becomes a prostitute. So, who would like to talk about fanfiction first? I mean, I could, because then it gets it out of the way early. If you like, I'm happy to do it that way. Uh, yeah, sure. Yes, take us through in which Amy has a penis. I'm going to get it up on my screen, just so I can... If... Uh, the fanfic or the penis. <laughs> Either. <laughs> so, talk us through in which Amy has a penis. Uh, it kind of does what it says on the tin, really. Uh, yeah, basically, it's um, it's it's where Amy grows a penis and has um, uh, sex with various former and future companions of the Doctor. Oh, interesting. So I see we start out in World War Two. Yes, and then basically Amy takes a shower and something sneaks up on her and um, is absorbed into her. And yeah, then she ends up... Uh, growing a penis. There is a lot of um, gratuitous um, oh, masturbation yes. description in this first chapter. Um, however, I stopped taking it seriously on the last line, uh, which is, deep inside Amy, the thing started its work. With every beat of Amy's heart, her clit changed. With every passing moment, her clit transformed into a cock. Wow. That's a medical condition right there. And that's just chapter one. Hmm. It's, yeah, there was there was all the sort of flowery language, and then there was there was that at the end, which kind of should we say it breaks immersion? <laughs> it's, I, I know you're supposed to sort of um, suspend your disbelief with these sort of things, but that's a little bit more suspense than I'm willing to go. And it does go in depth with this masturbation scene. It really does, and then it's like that with basically the other chapters. Like, I'm looking at the minute at chapter 3, which is a Martha chapter. And before we get into that, it's interesting that this... They've tied it into the canon, like they've said here, it picks up right after the end of Victory of the Daleks. Yeah, I did notice that. They have quite tied it in nicely at the at the beginning of every chapter. It's, however, have you read the summary? I've not, no. I think it's brilliant. In this chapter, Amy, fi Amy finds an amnesia-stricken Rose and then fucks her into remembering. Oh my god. That that classic medical attitude for fixing amnesia. A good old dicking. And does that work? Honestly? No. No, no I don't mean in real life. I mean, does it work in the fanfiction? <laughs> uh, I think it just sends her to sleep. But she does, say, she does call Clamey Mickey at the end because she's a bit uh, flustered, shall we say. Well, I imagine the the Rose tenantship as won't be happy with that. 
yeah, it's, God, it's, so... it's really um, it's really really descriptive in all the chapters. I've, there is really some top notch description work here. Interesting. It's I'm noticing that Amy describes it as considers it good that she managed to fuck someone unconscious, and personally, I can't imagine that being a good thing. Um, no, it's... Well, it depends. I mean, I'm gonna take it as Rose has fallen asleep, in which... Yeah, fallen asleep, perhaps. Fallen unconscious, that screams, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, a whole sort of donkey punch size problem, that. And tell tell me about the tiny beetle-like robots as well. Um, yes. So they're on a spaceship. They manage to um, do their business with each other. And um, it's only as they've sort of finished, rather conveniently, that uh, suddenly thousands of tiny beetle-like ro- robots swarmed out of the walls, each one screaming, indecency detected, indecency must not be allowed. The robot swarmed over the two girls for just a moment before scattering back into the walls. When they were gone, both Rose and Emily had been, rather conveniently, fully dressed. Oh. So, that's... yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how that's how they've sort of hidden Amy's penis for now. Ah, so the Doctor doesn't know about her sudden genitalia. No, no. He doesn't know until the chapter where there's a threesome with Rory Williams. <sighs> It's. <laughs> I'm amazed how well we can talk about this like it's serious literature. Oh no, this is serious literature, just in a very different way. It's... Yeah, I mean, come on, these people are working hard, they've got a dream, you know. It's a wet dream, but it's a dream nonetheless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just noticed that... Uh... Back at the TARDIS, Amy spent almost an hour trying to get the robot made clothes on. Every time she took a piece off, it grew back, said, Indecency detective, indecency must not be allowed. She eventually had to cut tiny pieces off before finally being nude. TARDIS shook violently, throwing Amy on the ground. Oh, come on, she said with indignity. I just grew a penis and I don't get time to look at it. She got dressed quickly before running around the control room. Oh, so she was trying to get nude in the control room. Oh, no, to the control room. Before I... So I... Don't know where she is, but oh, I I, I don't yeah. I don't know why, but I think she probably needs to find a way to get the clothes back on, because now there's drama happening. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Chapter three onwards. It was a sleepless thirsty two hours for the Amy and the Doctor being the first sentence of a fucking chapter. God's sake! Sorry, yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, chapter three. Um, to summarise, Amy meets Martha, and uh, yeah, sex things happen. Um, it's, I'll I'll draw your attention to this line, uh, which hang on, where was it? Yeah, basically, um, Amy ends up um, on Earth, uh, and she ends up falling asleep on a bench. And then going home with a strange woman who she's never met before. So she does. <laughs> which is which is Martha, yeah. So That's quite early on in the chapter too. Like she gets out the TARDIS. Yes. Just sleeps on a bench. Yeah. And then Martha carries her home. Uh yeah. And um uh sort of this happened. Uh which again, this is this is another line which sort of broke the immersion. Um 
Martha got naked as quickly as she could. She couldn't help but feel excited. A strange woman, who had a penis, just shows up and then they fuck. It thrilled her to be doing something so out of the ordinary. Martha had never done anything like this before. She was dripping just from thinking about it. So this is very uncharacteristic of Martha. Yeah. Because she she was very attracted to men, shall we say, throughout the series. Like she had a big crush on Doctor on the Doctor. She end I think she ends up with Mickey in the end, doesn't she? Yes. Oh yeah, that was in an alternate universe, maybe. I can't time travel's complicated. That's it, they had that they had that cool van and every time they stopped they did a handbrake turn in it. <laughs> of, of course that's the part you remember. <laughs> yes it is. I'm just curious how Martha finds out about the penis so early on. Uh okay, so let's just let's just I go so. up. Um So uh yeah, hang on. Uh yeah, uh, so basically this is after uh, Martha's taken Amy home and uh fed her and put her to bed. Um this woman who she's never met before. Um there is this line, uh, with a belly full and enough sleep under her belt, her body began to relax and she began to think. She thought about the doctor, when he would be back, and if she needed to worry. There was nothing she could do, she decided, but wait. So the doctor has just abandoned Amy? Yes. Uh, soon her mind started to wander before remembering that she had a penis, <laughs> knew next to nothing about it, and was finally alone enough to deal with it. Takes it out, looks at it. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, I don't have any balls, and I still have a vagina. This is weird, weirder than I thought. And, uh, yeah, so, like, just as she's sort of, like, working out what she looks like down there now, um, Martha opens the door, walks in, and screams. Interesting. Discovers that she has a pe- I see. I'm also just interested in this line here, that she spent several minutes just watching it jiggle <laughs> and laughing. It's, I suppose... I suppose you've got to put yourself in her shoes. What would you do if you woke up one day and found that you had um, a penis? Hmm. Well, when you put it that... Do you think the author's trying to say something here? Like, perhaps trying to put us in the shoes of someone else to understand yeah. their perspective of having different genitals? Probably not. No, I just think it's about the gratuitous sex, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> And chapter four is the Donna chapter. Uh, Amy goes to a spa with a loudmouth. That's what the chapter's called. <laughs> okay. Um, however, the, sum- the summary does contradict and say, in this chapter, Amy goes to a museum, then is propositioned for sex by Donna, a prequel to the Time of Angels. Ah, so when was the Time of Angels? Uh, oh, hang on a sec. That was the fourth episode. That was the one uh, in that in those caverns and then on a spaceship. With uh, River. It was, because that starts in a museum. Oh yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, because um, she burns Hello Sweetie into the black box flight recorder of that spaceship. Yes. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, if just to give you sort of like um, a flavour of what happens in this episode, uh, here's a line. Both naked, they stared each other down for a moment, taking in all the ginger beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a lovely description. It gets better. Um, Donna then knelt down and started sucking on Amy's cock. I want to fuck your tits, Donna. Donna smiled, cock still in her mouth, and pushed her breasts up so Amy could bury her cock into them. Hmm. It's got more 
gratuitous as the chapters have gone on, I think. Yeah, it definitely seems that the writer is becoming more confident in the way that they <laughs> they write this sexual content. It's gone from um, it's gone from Fifty Shades of Grey to porn search engine. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious how how Donna found out about the penis and how she responded. Um. Oh wow. Okay. So it's it's a bit it's it's a bit more direct than we first thought. Um. Yeah. Uh, a door opened and out stepped a redhead in nothing but a bathrobe. She glanced at Amy and walked straight towards her. Hello, I'm Donna. You're human, right? Amy jumped when Donna spoke, not expecting anyone to be here except the doctor and herself. Uh, yes, I'm human, Amy said, not sure of what to make of this. Great, I'm dying for a good shag. Want to join me? <laughs> uh, Donna walked towards the door that she came out of. Amy, perpetually horny and ever curious, followed her for a few seconds behind. Uh, good to know. We've got uh, character personality wow. descriptions. Nice. It gets better. Um, Donna then knelt down and started sucking on Amy's cock. I want to fuck your tits, Donna. Donna smiled, cock still in her mouth, and pushed her breasts up so Amy could bury her cock into them. Yeah, so this this really does explore Donna as a bisexual character, which isn't really addressed during the series. But she must have been surprised that there was a penis. Uh, yeah, if, if you want to... Um, uh, yeah, you see it. Ah, yes, I see. So so Donna starts out with a strap-on, and she offers it to Amy, saying, do you want me to wear this, or do you want to wear this? And then Amy pulls down a skirt, and there's a penis there. <laughs> and Donna just goes, God, I love the future. <laughs> and and then they just, they just start doing it. There's a theme here, I think. No shit. <laughs> yeah, it's... It really explores... The different sexualities of characters. That's is that the theme you're going for? That and the gratuitous sex. <laughs> ah. There's a lot of gratuitous sex. The whole thing is just gratuitous sex. But then again, um, the subject matter of what we're dealing with here, it's I didn't expect anything less. To be fair, that's true. And and for the gratuitous, it does seem to be well written. From what I'm, it's very well written gratuitous sex. Yes. That's it. It's like pornography for people with imagination. Exactly. Right, let's move on to chapter five. So this is five of six. We're almost done. So this is Amy and Amy. Uh, yeah. Um, this... And this starts immediately after Vampires of Venice ends, according to the synopsis. Uh, so apparently, uh, hidden in the TARDIS in uh, most of the various bedrooms, um, there is. From this story, we know there is at least one sex toy hidden inside the TARDIS, and what the sex toy does is grows into, like a clone of who you whoever you want it to be, and then you can choose the clone to have uh, whatever personality you want it to be. So you know, like submissive, dominant, uh, dominant, yada yada yada. Um, and yeah, uh, Amy picks dominant. I think it's accidentally. Uh, the toy is called uh, the Holographic Obscene Toy for Intercourse, or Hottie for short, apparently. Ah. It's a good use of acronyms. Uh, yeah, it, it starts. The 
the toy starts out as Rose, and then... Um... Oh, God. Previous settings. <laughs> it's, that's it. It's it's basically, uh, Amy gets frustrated oh, with not being able to work, uh, to work it, and goes, Oh, fuck me. Oh, that's clever. I did wonder why she chose herself. Yeah, so I, I did enjoy that bit. Yeah, I did enjoy that bit. It's, yeah, it... it it clones Amy without the penis. Um, uh, it asks her, you know, what personality do you want? And Amy says, well, you choose again. <laughs> and then light dominatrix is chosen. Yes, I noticed the safe word is apple fritter. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then, yeah, it, it goes on from it goes on from there. Yeah, just discussing if she's been a bad girl or not, which really does provide room for self-reflection. Like, she is literally asking herself, has she been a bad girl? And it doesn't seem like she can answer deep down. No, she does. She goes, I treated on Rory. Oh, is that? Oh, that's further down. Oh. And then the hottie smacks her, and then she goes, I fucked Rose, smack, and Martha, smack, and Donna, smack. And almost did it with the Doctor too. Smack. And I'm gonna. And I'm going to do it again. Smack. And again. Smack. And again. So this really is a moment for self-reflection for her. Like this is really. It's almost like a confessionary for her. She's admitting to all of the things that make her feel guilty, and it's kind of almost a purging process for her. Well, I don't. I don't know. She's kind of uh, embracing it a little, isn't she? No regret. <laughs> Oh, there's a Clara chapter next. Yeah, I thought there was a Rory scene. Yeah, there is. Um, because, hang on a sec. So, um, hang on, hang on. Yeah, there's, they end up, it's actually, they, they end up walking in on uh, Rory and the Doctor. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, skimming through the last chapter, Rory <laughs> does seem to show up. It's, this is by, yeah. So, chapter six is called Amy Does Stuff With Twins. Oh, so it, it's Clara the Time Revenant, and then Clara, normal Clara, based on the summary. Uh, time Remnant, yeah. Remnant, sorry, yep, Time Remnant. And then is interrupted by Clara who, uh, Clara, who joins them. Happens between chapter five and Amy's choice. That was, ooh, I think that's the hallucinogenic episode where they're torn between this nice little village or they're in the TARDIS. Oh yeah, it's it's like um, it's the it's the episode which ripped off the entire plot of Life on Mars. Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's the one with the Dream Lord. Yeah, little little bloke. He was quite good actually. Okay, so we've established where it sets. So what happens in Amy Does Stuff With Twins? Um, well, okay, so basically, yeah, uh, Clara and Amy do things, and then they walk in on Rory and the Doctor doing things, and then Amy does things with Rory and the Doctor. Yeah, how does Clara show up? I can't see. I'm just sort of skimming it. She was already there, wasn't she? I found a mention of a brunette showing up. Uh, she calls herself Oswald Oswin, which I believe was one of the earlier manifestations of Clara, like the one that ended up as a Dalek. 
Yes, it was, but it was Oswin Oswald. So they've got that wrong. Hmm. Is the time remnant the thing that happened when she stepped through that vortex? Or is the time remnant what happened after Face the Raven? Because I can't remember. Spoilers for Doctor Who, by the way. If you're <laughs> listening to this and you're not caught up with Doctor Who, that was probably a mistake. It's, yeah, but to be honest, I think if you're a fan of Doctor Who and you haven't watched um, all of uh, Eleven yet, then um, what have you been doing with your life? Get a move on. They've been they've been out for years. What's wrong with you? That's a fair point. Anyway, so let's just assume... I'm assuming the Time Remnant thing. I'm assuming this is the sad Dalek, Clara? Uh, yeah, Oswin Oswald was the, was the one trapped inside the, the Dalek. So she shows up, and Amy just gives her the D. Uh, yeah, and... Oh no, it's... Hang on a sec. Uh, yeah, Clara does show up. Um... Amy began to come when a green light emanated from the doorway and occupied every corner. Amy recoiled, pulled out while still coming, and looked towards the source. Standing there was uh, the woman uh, she was just balls deep in. I'll tell you what, this description work is magical. Um, <laughs> Amy did a double take before the only clothed woman in the room, the one at the door, said, I'm Clara. The original Clara. No time to explain. The counter effects only last a moment. I just wanted a chance to reintroduce myself and get naked. Oh, for love of God. <laughs> Before she finished the sentence, Clara began to undress, and Amy finished coming. So, so while this entire conversation is going on, Amy is just going off like a Roman candle. And she's facing Clara while doing this. So while Clara is explaining this, Amy's just shooting at her. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I've I kept a straight face through six chapters, and no, it's gone. For someone without any testicles, like she's coming a lot, from what I've read. It's yeah, it is impressive. Um, can I read another line, please? Absolutely. Um, the mass of orgasming bodies pulled apart once the shaking and shivering stopped. Amy was staring at Clara's ass when an idea struck her. Clara, I'm going to eat out your ass. <laughs> Amy didn't wait for approval. Just pulled Clara's ass cheeks apart, leaned in, and licked from pussy to asshole. Oh, <laughs> She didn't wait for approval. I guess that's the dubious consent in the tags. At least she didn't go the other way around. I was going to say, it's sensible to lick front to back rather than back to front. Um... Yeah, so anyway, carrying on, uh, I'm just seeing... Nick, can I get you to read the line, starting with still trembling? Um. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, still trembling, Clara said, now it's time for you to fuck me in the ass. <laughs> and Amy moved to do just that. <laughs> what a description. <laughs> like To me, that reads like... A bad anime dub. Now it's time for you to fuck me in the ass. It's... <laughs> it just gets it just gets worse. Uh, Amy's cock flopped out of Clara, no longer erect. They looked at each other and started cleaning up, occasionally pausing to make out. Since they don't explain cleaning up, I'd like to imagine that this is just like with a mop, maybe some wet wipes, just kind of. <laughs> It's, it's just a room full of spooge. 
<laughs> everywhere. Oh, Amy does it again. Again, again. There's a theme here. I think she's asleep, whispered Amy. Oh my god, did we fuck her into unconsciousness? Again? <laughs> wow. It's, yeah, here's, like... here's another line, and this is where I've worked out um, how uh, Rory and the Doctor end up in this. Uh, Clara and Amy have been walking for about an hour. This is presumably after they've cleaned up and had a shower. And Frankly, I'm amazed they can walk after all of this. It's actually sticking very close to the core values of Doctor Who, in, in which case Clara and Amy have uh, really good plot armour. So, yeah, uh, Clara and Amy have been walking for about an hour when they came across a, spo- a small living space built into the side of the mountain. The door was open and they could hear strange slapping noises coming from inside. <laughs> uh, emanating from inside the house was this blue light. They started to search the house, following the noises to their source. Rory being fucked in the ass by the doctor and loving it. They were both under the spell of the blue light. The blue light. So where does this come from? Also, where are they walking that they just found a mountain? No, they're on they're on a planet. They're in a they're on a village. They ended up um Yeah. They ended up eating like a, a supplement a supplement. And um Because I thought they were in the TARDIS. Uh yeah. So Ah, uh, and I see later on Amy be- sorry, Clara becomes very serious about paradoxes here, making sure the doctor doesn't meet her yet, because She's someone from his future. And I'm glad they take that into account. They've maybe dialed back a little bit on the gratuitous sex in exchange for um, yeah, keeping the universe intact. And it looks like Clara has a device that makes them stop having sex. Alright. It's okay, I promise. Can you use that thing that made us stop? Clara shook her head. No, it needs to recharge. Yeah, rather conveniently. Um, I would just um, draw your attention to the the bottom of the chapter. For all you sort of gay people and gay fans, there is some uh, gay going on here. Okay, so what am I looking at? Yeah, I asked myself the same question. Okay. So they appear to have formed some, some form of train here. <laughs> no, hang on, seriously, are they in a man train? I missed this bit. Yeah. I mean, it's not technically a man train, because Amy is involved as well. Well, yeah. But yeah, it goes Amy, Doctor, Rory, as a train. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that goes on for 20 minutes. Oh no, sorry. They spend 20 minutes cleaning up, in total silence, after they all calm down. Amy did see both of them glance at Amy's cock a handful of times, but neither of them said anything. She wasn't going to address it if they didn't. A long, awkward silence. <laughs> memory worm. Ah, so this is where the memory worms come in. So that they can forget the whole thing. <laughs> ah! Memory worms, actually, those those are canonical. Because <laughs> if, if you remember Time Heist, the Doctor has memory worms for planning the thing and then wiping his own memory. Yeah, because uh, the... The first, uh, don't Strax find him? That's on Tara and he keeps around in Victorian times. Yeah, that's that sounds right. <laughs> it looks like Rory and the Doctor are so traumatised by the events that have just happened um, that they elect to touch a memory worm and forget that the last two hours ever happened. However, at the end of, at the end of this, by the looks of things, um, Amy still has the girl penis. Yeah, that doesn't disappear, and it doesn't seem to be explained. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't disappear. Yeah, it's it's still there. It's interesting. And I notice it ends with Clara giving Amy her phone yes. number. Yes, I put my number in your phone. I've got a TARDIS too. Call me anytime, any place. I'll bring some friends. Okay, so this addresses quite neatly what happens to Clara once she travels off in the TARDIS, in her own TARDIS at the end of season, whichever season it was. I like that it ends with discussing that if if they ever write another Amy Gilpina story, it'll be a standalone thing, which kind of implies they have other ideas for Amy with a penis. Yeah, it's, I wonder if it's just going to be Amy working her way through more of the Doctor's companions. Uh, it's if it works as a storyline, you you may uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, it kind of did. It got some laughs. Um, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would have, and um, I didn't particularly need any sort of form of eye bleach at the end of it. But yeah, it was it was very well written, gratuitous sex. So okay, so how do you rate it then? Romantic chemistry. How would you? Out of five, yeah. Can I be honest? I would say two. The well, actually no. Let's say three because. There was maybe tiny little bits of romance dotted about, but most of it was gratuitous sex. Uh, adherence to canon, like, does it fit in with Doctor Who, like, as as a story? Like, could you slot this in between an episode and? Um, I'd like sense? to see them try. It'd be absolutely hilarious. But uh, it's to, it's to be honest, it was it was actually surprisingly well thought out in where these sort of. <clears throat> Episodes fitted, yeah, in in the in the sort of um, uh, in the sort of Doctor Who universe, the Hooniverse, if you will. So, where would you rate it? One to five. I would say four. Yeah. Five. Uh, quality of literature. Like, is it a well-written piece? It's again, I would say four. It's well. It's it's very well written. It's very well described. Isn't particularly in depth, but then again, uh, you know, we don't go on these websites looking to find um, deep and meaningful commentary on social issues. I mean, speak for yourself. I was looking for kind of deep storylines and well-written novels. Grace found one and she hated it. <laughs> That's also true. Okay, and the last, the last factor you on this spectrum, which we should probably change the name of, is Mindfuck. Like, how how unusual did you find it? I don't know, it? maybe about a three. Okay. So three out of five. Is that in, in, the mod, in the modern age, and um, after being single for many years, before I got with my current girlfriend, um, there isn't much out there that surprises me anymore, I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed to say. Well, I've learned something <laughs> about you today, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, girl, girl penis isn't that weird. It's not what I would. It's not what I would choose, but it's not that weird. Shall we talk about uh, proposal or brown ascension? Next? Can I just go first because I don't want to be last? <laughs> you absolutely. Okay, you ready? Can. Ready as I'll ever be. I am ready. Let's talk about. Proposal. That's what I like to hear. Right, okay. So, the proposal is by Dazul Jetta. Summary. 
Rose Tyler, a poor girl forced to make her living as a prostitute, has never imagined meeting a man who wanted her just as she was. An AU, alternate universe, but not entirely. Notes, BBC owns everything. Good to know. Hang on a minute. I've just had a thought. You know, a while back, didn't the... It was one of the big TV companies. It was either BBC or Channel 4, one of them. But didn't they do a TV show called Diary of a Call Girl, which literally starred Billy Piper as a prostitute? Yes, it did. I think that was the BBC. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was after she she did um, uh, she did Doctor Who. Yes. Oh, it was on ITV. And it was after. Oh, now there's a twist. Maybe that's the... Yeah. I'd forgotten about Secret Diary of a Core Girl, so I suppose this sort of explains where they got the idea, perhaps. Uh, possibly. So the tags include marriage proposal, proposals, surprises, prostitution, getting to know each other, love at first sight, eventual romance, fluff, efforts... What do you think they mean by effort? I was going to say. I don't know what they mean by efforts, but I'm hoping that they uh, stick to these tags. So we've already started, like, we've started in medias res, as it were, where we were already seeing her as a prostitute, and it's not like... Yeah, it's not her becoming a prostitute, it's her already in the business. Oh, for God's sake, I was kind of hoping for some kind of downward spiral. (laughs) Not with those tags. <laughs> so it starts off with the doctor trying to uh, convince her to marry him straight off. Like love at first sight is right in there. It's quite true to the tag. Marry me, Rose Tyler is the first thing he says. The doc, <laughs> marry me, Rose Tyler. The doctor says quietly, having realised from one glance, this woman has been the one he was ready to spend his entire life with. So at this point, they've not actually had sex. No. Well, I, I think they may have just met. He says, Hush, love, I'm going to make sure everything works out between us. Trust me. <sighs> you can't, the girl says weakly. I b- <laughs> I don't belong amongst you wealthy people. <sighs> okay, so, so there's obviously some uh, social problems here with to do with the class and money and... You know, I don't know how much they're going to go further into this. It doesn't look like they are so far. It's haven't. Ha, it, do you know what this sounds like? This just sounds like somebody's taken one of those books by Danielle Steele or somebody like that. <laughs> Some of them sort of slushy books where nothing happens in them, and just replace the names of the characters with the Doctor and Rose. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how this AU works yet. Like, does the Doctor... Is he still a Time Lord? Or is he just a wealthy man? We'll find out in time, but at the moment... um, What if the Master starts looking for me? Rose asked him fearfully. He might want to bring me back. So... So this establishes that the Master is is the pimp, as it were. Yeah, the Master is the pimp in this. So, yeah, he's pimping out Rose, and the Doctor says, once you're my wife, he wouldn't dare. So... Do we get a description of the Master in kind of, like, a big purple hat and, like, a fur coat, perhaps? (laughs) 
We we get no description of anyone. There is no descriptions of anyone. But there is a sentence saying, this is no longer the 18th century, said the Doctor. So, time setting, we're not in the 18th century. Don't know where we are, but we're not in the Narrows 18th century. Yeah, it does narrow it down. Oh, hey, just noticed the next paragraph. Uh, Captain Jack is in this one. Yeah, he is. Captain Jack and Donna Noble. I can't believe it. We found fan fiction where Captain Jack doesn't get to have sex. Oh. Yeah, that is right. I'm amazed. Round of applause for the, to the author for not falling into a pit hole. Okay, meanwhile, his uh, friends are discussing uh, the Doctor's new crush on this mysterious woman. And so this is a conversation between Jack and Donna. And, you know, Jack's uh, saying, you know, you know, he should just be happy and allow him to do what he wants and get him out of his scientific bubble and face real life, is what Jack says. Uh, oh, God, it's just sort of drama between the friends going, oh, I don't think he's right for her. I think they'll get along splendidly. It's pretty much that. So Donna's sort of against uh, Rose. So Donna and Jack are just kind of... The gossipy aunt and uncle in this story, by the it, looks of it. It seems so. Yeah, Donna thinks that Rose is going to say yes immediately, because uh, who wouldn't, I guess? And I don't know. Either way, we'll find out later, because the Doctor entered the room, so he'll tell us whether Rose has agreed to his proposal or not. And he starts off by saying, I need you to convince Rose to agree to my proposal, so she is obviously letting down. Rose has said, ah, better not. Fair enough. You've just met him. That's realistic. Uh, why does he think Donna can convince uh, her otherwise? <laughs> like, do they know each other? Or is this some kind of like cliquey no, group? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Oh, she's coming round. Yeah, it's... Do whatever you think is best. For you, for Rose, for us. Donna Noble said with a shrug. Unable to resist the sudden urge to help. <laughs> and then Jack's already straight... Th- on his bets, going, ah, oh, they're going to get married, saying, just remember to invite us to your wedding ceremony whenever you two plan to have it. Of course, says the doctor. This is a so lot fluffier than I was expecting. Kind of confident of himself. Yeah, this That's is incredibly true. fluffy. But fluff is mentioned in the tags. So, That's this fact. is what you're buying. So, doesn't say it's the master, but we can assume... And it starts with, so this is how you repay me, you worthless slut. I give you a home and riches, rich clients, enough money to pay for all the quality cosmetics and clothes no casual person could ever afford. Rose shrugged, so that I could be beaten up to their heart's desire and still look fresh and unharmed after. So, you know, she's not being treated very well in the game. And the master carries on by saying... I, in italics, have never beaten you up. You are nothing special to me, just one of many, but allowing you to leave is a different matter entirely. Okay. And then it goes on. Rose gulped and went out, not surprised. The doctor had pro- has promised her something inside his magical place he called his spaceship. <gasps> a bath. So she doesn't care about the spaceship. She just cares about the bath inside the spaceship. Yeah. 
Like, he could take her away from all of this, like, they could go to space. I, she... It sounds like she's dubious that it is an actual spaceship, by the way, it's uh, sounded. But she knows there's a mm, bath there, so she's, she's gonna head over. <laughs> okay. The next bit is a confrontation between the Master and the Doctor. Master! The Master sent the Doctor a smug look. Look who we have here. A healer of hearts. Which one of my ladies has hurt your feelings this time? So, by the sounds of it, the Doctor's been a client before. Yeah, that's... Very, very uncharacteristic, I'd have thought. It is unusual that he spends this much time with prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone prostitutes hired to him by And the according to this, he didn't know it was the Master being a pimp, because in this it says, The Doctor shuddered. I should have known. It has been you all the while. Ah... <sighs> I've come to tell you, I'm taking your most cherished worker away. Ugh, God's sake. This seems really small scale for the Master. Yes. <laughs> like, the last couple times we've seen him, him or her, because he's, he's a woman later on, like, he's conquered the world, he's conquered the universe, and here he is just running a brothel. Like, it's... It's a bit of a step down. Like, don't get me wrong, it's still bad. It, it's just not the scale I'm used to seeing if, him. If I'm going to hazard a guess, so at some point he becomes the Prime Minister and has like a massive campaign, I'd have thought pimping would be a great way to earn some dirty money, get his clients in with high-up contacts with within the world of law and uh, government. And maybe that's how we climb to power, you know? Maybe this is where it's set. I mean, you say that, but of course, in this current sort of political climate, people are being made to eat shit sandwiches um, over tweets they sent ten, like ten, fifteen years ago. So I think maybe running a brothel in the past would probably hurt his chance of being prime minister. I don't know. It depends if they knew it was him. There's got to be easier ways to make money as a time lord. In any setting that you happen to be in, I don't know what what do time what can time lords do without magical equipment? Like I don't know much about the master. I assume he doesn't have any equipment, and he's just a very old bloke. I suppose without the sonic screwdriver. Does it's the master have a screwdriver? Yes. Uh, he used to have the laser screwdriver, which does all the same things the sonic does, but you can shoot people too. But with lasers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's... And even if he wasn't doing that, he's a super genius, and he's from space. Like, he could he could invent something, like, 50 years ahead of when we're supposed to, and get the painting on that. Or he could, he could do a Back to the Future. Maybe. Or maybe he found that, with his super knowledge, that in this time and place, prostitution was the most lucrative form of business where he doesn't have to do any fucking paperwork. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there's, there is that. <laughs> Not that I condone prostitution. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like it's, there is a saying in that um, prostitution is the world's oldest business. And you think the master has been behind? I just, that. I just think he's taken it literally. Oh God, could you imagine? Like he is. There's just one consistent brothel <laughs> since ancient Rome, and it's just been oh, him running God. it, and then giving it to his kid, his God's son, sake. who looks a lot like him. Like as time goes on, and that Possibly. could be how this works. And he now just has Maybe. a business empire. 
So he asks, how long is he borrowing Rosie? Rose. He says, for life. The master nodded thoughtful, not at all surprised. What exactly makes you imagine I'll allow you to? The doctor has only whispered a couple of words in Gallifreyan. So they are aliens. They're definitely aliens. There is Gallifrey. Gotta be. You know? Which brings me to a question. So when the doctor says for life... Is that for Rose's life or for the Doctor's life? Because those are those are very different scales. Like Rose's life is chump change compared to the Master and the Doctor. Honestly, I think in this sort of romantic drivel setting, I think that adds to drama, and you'll probably later find a way of extending her life force. Because that's kind of how these things pan out, isn't it? All right. So, and the Master pales. You wouldn't. He goes, I have destroyed our planet with my own hands. Could destroy your carefully built business with a snap of my fingers. <laughs> you know I have more than enough money to do that, but if but I thought we were dot 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 friends never get never getting our heads into each other's business. This 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 isn't consistent. Does does he know the master runs a brothel or not? I think he's worked it out during this conversation that he runs the brothel. Right, okay. Yeah, he's he's obviously gone to the office on top of the the brothel factory or whatever the fuck it said. <laughs> the brothel factory. <laughs> the brothel factory. It's a massive it's a massive business, so you know, why not? And you know, it sounds like he's got a lot of them, so why not? <laughs> And he's gone, ah, oh, are you the direct here? Oh, goodness, it's you, the master. That's what it sounds like. It's not described well enough for me to know. <sighs> Chapter two. I like this do like a previously on recap, like just in case. And it is the exact same line that we just left on. Previously on proposal. He knew the master had been the only living, the only still living Time Lord, but if he were completely honest with himself, he did not want to be known as having anything other to do, anything to do with this man, same race or not. Doo-doo! And then we cut right the into... The last living Time Lord, but not for long! Yeah! <laughs> okay, so Rose gets onto the ship, Donna sees her... They chat, uh, Donna realises that she's been beaten up, asks if it was the Doctor. Rose goes, no, the Doctor would never do that. Uh, of course not, he loves you, by the way, he asks. Of us to convince you to agree to his marriage proposal, what do you think of the idea? I am no one, I have no future to speak of, how could I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say how terrible a way to convince someone that is? Like, hey, my mate says I should convince you. Do you want to do it? Yeah, pretty much. Hold my beer. <laughs> it's very high school, you know. My, ma my mate over there likes you. You should God, go talk is, to that him. That is very high school. Well, I don't know. That sounds like a Donner approach. Just get it over with. Yeah, it is. It never happened to me, but oh. it happened to some people that I know. Yeah, and then the doctor comes in and tries to convince her as well you know, you don't owe me anything uh, you don't have to rely on anyone other again 
Don't be afraid, Rose. He breathed into her. <laughs> hold, hold on. Say that again. Where's so that? a little further down, the doctor noticed some fearful doubts on her face and in her posture. He knew why. The master was known to change his mind every so often, often just for the fun of it. He says, "Don't be afraid, Rose." He breathed into her ear. Hi, no him, and he <laughs> he breathed into oh. her. That's just oh, so so it's him. It's him saying it in like a breathy voice. Yeah, I I thought it was. Don't be afraid, Rose. <sighs> I know him, and he knows. <laughs> Rose paled, you you know him? Sadly, yes, the master and I have been living around the same places. Okay, so you still want to connect your life with mine, even knowing? Uh, the doctor gave her a passionate look. Yes, I love you, I want to protect you from harm, to show you the life you've never imagined. Oh, God's sake. Rose trembled, are you sure... There are a lot of things I haven't seen yet. Uh, he says there are more brilliant things in the universe than we can ever fathom, Rose. Allow me to be the one to show them to you. Okay, so he's offering to like take her across time and space, which I don't understand why Rose would be that worried about like the Master coming after her if he can just nope out anywhere. Like, surely it'd be a bit difficult to follow. <laughs> I realise his pimp empire has reaches, but... Like, it's all of space and time. Like, you can just leave. <sighs> yeah, it's definitely high school Do logic. Do you think we found our first Mary Sue? Oh. But which character? They're all the Mary Sue at the moment. <laughs> yeah. They're all Mary Sues. We've... <laughs> we've uh, on our very first outing, we've hit upon a gaggle of Mary Sues. They, they all sound like a, a fluffy bunch, apart from the master, who's obviously an abusive pimp. Mustache twirlingly evil, but on such a minor <laughs> scale for him. Uh... Like I'm reminded of that picture, like the Lex Luthor stole forty cakes, and that's terrible meme. Mm. I have heard of the the um the meme started from the bottom. Now we're here. Oh yeah. It's like I can imagine that um that you know the the master sort of trucking about in his flying sky fortress that he had. When he was prime minister, <laughs> like started from the bottom, now we're here, running a brothel. <laughs> Do you think the value the his sky fortress is his brothel? Oh, that'd be a twist. Because they never describe where he is. Like it could easily be like this sky brothel that tours the planet. It's actually that that would make sense because of course you can land planes on the Valiant. So the the richest, you know, the 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 great and the good. It could be like the. The brothel to end all brothels. Oh, no. <laughs> Brothelzilla. Brothelzilla. <laughs> the flying brothel factory. <laughs> oh wait, what was the network it was called? The Ange- Archangel Network? Do you think that's the name of his business? <laughs> Archangel be, Brothel yeah, Factory. Can you hear it, Doctor? The banging. <laughs> the sound of the nether-ending pounding. The constant banging. <laughs> Just this. <laughs> all the time. Oh, God. Oh, no. Suddenly it all fits into canon. <laughs> oh, God. So at some point during all this, Rose Tyler has agreed to be his beloved fiancé. 
The ginger companion was both incredibly excited and not convinced. Not what? all convinced about their hurried betrothal. Congratulations, she chuckled. I don't think such a quick pace in the matters of love has been a thing. So it's nice to have we have some uh, have a doubter, <laughs> you know. Oh, that didn't read well. I didn't think such a quick pace in these matters of love has been... Yeah, that's not that's not a well-written sentence. I mean, no. does it sound like Donna? No. no. I can't do a good Donna voice. It do, you but... don't need to. It doesn't sound like how she'd structure a sentence anyway. But... I, can, I can hear Donna in my head. And honestly, um, the Donna in the story with Amy having a penis was more Donna yeah. than this Donna. <laughs> So what we're saying is, in which Amy has a penis, is more authentic in how it writes its characters than Proposal. It's more of, not only is it more authentic, and I'm going to get hate mail for this, but it's better written as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm inclined to agree. I think that wraps up chapter two. Alright, let's just go on to chapter three. Again, we've got a previously... Ah, do you want me to apologise for my thoughtless words? Jack beamed frustrated to him, Lord. Expecting a fitting reaction, not that anyone gives a fuck. That doesn't really... That wasn't the highlight of chapter two. Like, it's not a good summary. No, it wasn't. It, but it's just like the last paragraph and the last... Uh, the... Ugh. So what happens in chapter Okay, three? meanwhile, the master didn't intend to let the most... Favoured, hence the most valuable of his prostitutes, go without a goodbye gift. Sex workers were sometimes leaving the business, however rarely, finding rich lovers and supporters elsewhere. Usually, he didn't care putting a sweet smile of support on his face and waving them goodbye, but this time it was different. It included the doctor. The fun was going to be double. Because (laughs) seeing people suffer was an admirable sight for him, the master has done what he was best at, paid off the media to publish a tiny article in the biggest newspapers. Huh. So basically what's happened, I think that they've seen a, a diddy little article in one of the world's biggest newspapers slash gossip rag that is like chatting shit about Rose because that's what the master does these days. It's like, I'm just going <laughs> to... Pay the newspapers to write some shit. So this truly evil Time Lord, someone who has had no trouble murdering, committing genocide, all this kind of thing, he wants revenge (laughs) on the Doctor. So what he does, he writes to Hello Magazine and puts together (laughs) this scandal that the Doctor, who isn't normally that famous. He's not day-to-day no. famous, normally. I don't know if that's different in this it's, AU. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just put in mind of the French knight from Monty Python. Now go yeah. away, or I will touch you a second time. <laughs> Honestly, that's what the Master's been reduced to. This sort of, like, colossus of evil <laughs> who has conquered and slaughtered his way across the cosmos. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put an article in the sun about your new wife, and about about you and I've had my assumptions. It I thought they all knew that Rose was a prostitute. No, it seems not. The general public need to know about this person who they have never heard of, who has so far been quietly working working his way away in the background to keep the world safe. Yeah, that's uh, about right. The prostitute and the world now needs to know. Truly that truly a villain. So what happens Okay, then? so Doctor finds out about the magazine and he just goes and 
Comfort's Rose, because she doesn't know about the magazine just yet. My Rose, everything's going to be alright. He sent her soundlessly, knowing she won't be able to sense a telepathic communication. Her being human. I love you, Rose Tyler. Rose smiled softly in her sleep, for once not interrupted by nightmares. I love you too. Her unexpected telepathic response startled him. Okay, so apparently they both have telepathy now. He's That's never fine. explained, I assume. Bad wolf, yes it is. Oh shit, really? It does does this fit into Bad Wolf? Though? Sort of. Well Oh we we don't know. She's been she's been a prostitute. <laughs> Maybe Bad Wolf hasn't happened. She's yet. only just met this guy, so she can't have like done Bad Wolf bullshit yet. But then again, that's not how time works, is it? Because it's fucking Doctor Who and its plot armour is so stringently <laughs> weird and matted. It you just have to accept the fact, yes, it's possible. <laughs> <sighs> So Donna and Jack have breakfast, and... Let's see, the Master must have already published some mortifying articles on her, am I right, said the Doctor. By the Master, you mean Harold Saxon. So he is Harold Saxon in this universe. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) The one police can't arrest because of his irreproachable character, even though... Donna shuddered, who is this Master? So she probably hasn't heard of Donald... uh, Harold Saxon either. I'll tell you later, Jack assured the curious redhead, putting on a neutral face. I don't know what like a neutral face is. It's just two circles and a line for the mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you later, he said defaultly. <laughs> uh, okay, so Rose appears in the doorway. I'm sorry, the doctor insisted I slept for as long as. She catches a glimpse of the article that... Donna has forgotten to put away. She says, The master has done it again, ruined my every hope of starting a new life. Do you want me to leave? She asked them Hold on, quietly. she's a really fast reader. Because at the start it, it says it's a small article. And so it's long not... distance. Yeah, it's not like it's a big headline saying Rose Hooker Doxer. It's more... She's in the doorway and they're eating breakfast probably at the table. Like, she just read this tiny, like, small print bit and was like, oh, the master's done it again. And now like... she thinks they're going to kick her out, like, because now the whole world knows that this random person's a prostitute. <sighs> God's sake. Jack Hartley shook her head. I dislike this man as much as any sensible being. We're dressed as sure will be on our side, no matter what, Rose. Oh, Doctor hugs her. You won't need to turn back to a dreadful place ever. So basically, Doctor has saved one prostitute and left everyone else. Yeah, that's the thing. This isn't very. I've I've been talking about how the Master is working very small scale here, but the Doctor is also working very small scale here because he's decided to save exactly one prostitute yeah. instead of everyone in indentured servitude to his nemesis. Like he hasn't looked into it, yeah. Yeah, he's just like, nah, you can have, you can keep these girls, don't care. They can just stay in this business. I only care about protecting Rose. This is not good for the Doctor. <laughs> Alright, last, last sentence. Jack and Donna could only smile at the Time Lord in admiration. <laughs> It was obvious that he was ready to wait for as long as necessary for Rose to finally begin trusting him. From what they could see, her protective shield was already bursting. I don't know what the fuck that means. What? (laughs) Her protective... It sounds like it's breaking, so it sounds like it's not going to fucking bother, but I mean, maybe, maybe they mean 
bursting. That seems like it's really big. I don't fucking know. I don't. Yeah, I think the protective shield is just a metaphor for like the big hug that they're all it's, in. No, it's a it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for walls. Oh, I think, I like letting your guard down. <clears throat> right, so yeah, that's it. Apparently, in. there's a it'll continue at some point. This was updated relatively recently. I think it was updated on the first of the eleventh of uh, two thousand and nineteen this year. Okay, so we may pick this one up at some point. Do we have to pick it up? No. <laughs> I've honest, I have honestly seen serial packets with more depth and character. Yes, I think that despite there being little in the way of description, it lets people imagine uh, more, <laughs> making it more personal to the readers, I suppose you could say. Yes, I think that despite there being little in the way of description, it lets people imagine uh, more, <laughs> making it more personal to the readers, I suppose you could say. Bare bones. I I think so. It's very it's Hollyoaks. That's what it is. Like if you got if you if Hollyoaks Holly and yeah. EastEnders and all those soaps. Yeah. That would be it because they wouldn't describe anything. It would just be dialogue and drama all the way through. And that's what it is. It's a Catherine Cooks and Danielle Steele book. I haven't read those. So I wouldn't know. But goddamn. I tried to read one. Um, I gave up halfway through. Why did you try to read? Why? When? How did this come about? Because I was skin and I ran out of things to read. <laughs> so I borrowed one of my mum's and then discovered that I, I read I read it and nothing happened. <laughs> In that case, are you glad that we've introduced oh you to a new site where you can read as many things as you um, want? I'm undecided. That's fair. <laughs> I mean... The fic I read was, as you know, it was very well written, but it was still about um, uh, Amy having a penis and having gratuitous sex with everybody. And yet mine is about prostitution and no sex takes place at all. Yeah, that is a bit unusual. I, I suppose this is all about getting out of that life and moving into a romantic, a purely romantic uh, relationship with the Doctor. Okie doke. Um, should we do the scores? Yeah, gone. Yeah, so how romantic do you feel this was? Oh, despite unbelievable, it's nothing but supposed romance. Like, this is what it's all about. Like, going with your heart. Uh, ridiculous. So is that a five out of five? Sure, yes. It's very, very sickeningly romantic. Uh, how does it fit in with the canon of the series? <laughs> I'm I very very loosely because as as in the tags alternate universe but not entirely so obviously it's on a slightly parallel universe to the one that is canon so parallel but even even if we take maybe I'm misinterpreting how an AU works but even if it's in an AU surely the characters have to behave like the characters oh if we're talking about the characters then no. I don't feel... I mean, the Master definitely doesn't act like the Master. The Doctor doesn't act like no, the Doctor. No, because I'm pretty sure he would have gotten all the prostitutes out and blown up the place if it was the Doctor, wouldn't he? He'd, he'd have just shut the business down, no questions he'd asked. He'd have let the Archangel brothel factory fall from the sky at this already, wouldn't he? Mm. <laughs> so, quality of literature? 
Is this a well-written piece? I, I think there's room for improvement. Ta- that's tactful. That's very tactful. Yeah, that was that was very tactful. So, out, out of five? Uh, by how much improvement, I'd say... I'd give it a three out of five. I think... I don't know if I'm misinterpreting it as a writing style that I'm not used to, but uh, I'm not highly... Uh, clued up on literature so you know i can't not really want to judge and what about the strange factor like how unusual was was it reading this i think it was very domestic problems i don't think it was particularly unusual i think uh i think despite it being unrealistic it was set in a very realistic setting it i'd say one because it's grounded in reality, but it's ridiculous. In the way of common sense. <laughs> well, Nick rated Amy growing a penis and shagging her way around the Doctor's friend list a three out of five. So, just for comparison. I want to see what a five looks like. Shall we neatly segue, then, into the Brown <laughs> Ascension? <laughs> <laughs> So, The Brown Ascension, by Regret Pile, it's actually not that weird. Like, I feel like I judged a book by its cover <laughs> here, and it's very much not... Like, there's barely any sex. Like, it's all just... In fact, there's more political intrigue than there is sex. <laughs> so, The Brown Ascension begins... Again, it begins in Medias Res. Like, we don't see the beginning of this intrigue, but we... We go straight to Clara on the toilet. Like, she... She hasn't been feeling right since Height Ashbury, which I'm gonna have to Google. So they visited California, and she wasn't feeling right after that. She's been running to the toilet every 30 minutes, and sometimes she wouldn't go for four days, and then pass something as wide, as roughly as wide as an aluminium can. Wow. Wow. Damn. Her toilets probably broke the porcelain. Yeah. Well, luckily she's in the TARDIS, and I'd assume a Time Lord TARDIS... A, a, Time, Lord, a Time Lord TARDIS toilet is probably quite sturdy. So the TARDIS had taken her somewhere that would provide some relief. So, yeah, the Doctor has taken her to a planet like to see a poop doctor, so like someone who will know like what's wrong with her bowels. And we get here a f- the first reference to uh, Danny, her ex-boyfriend. So that roughly sets up where we are. Oh, I do- oh wow. Oh, so, yeah, okay. Yeah, if you you remember Danny. I remember Danny, Danny Pink. P.E. Like she, they were dating yeah. for a while, like he became a Cyberman. Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've- Spoilers for all of Doctor Who in this podcast. Uh, this is, I should probably have clarified, this is travelling with the Twelfth Doctor, this is a Peter Capaldi story. After the last fountain of diarrhea subsided, she felt a soft spray of lukewarm water against her asshole. So, we've established here that the Time Lords use beetles, <laughs> as opposed as opposed to a paper system. To me, fits what I would associate, like, the Time Lords are a sophisticated race, like, they don't have time for The mark working. of a sophisticated society is one that washes its ass. And paper is probably not good for the environment, compared. I find it interesting that 
aliens from a whole different time and planet would have a veto, like the same as Earth's. Unless like it, she's gone to the human section of the TARDIS. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't specify if there's... I mean, later on it talks about this is the size J humanoids room, but I think that's in the convention that they've just visited. So, her and the Doctor leave the TARDIS, and they go visit a group of gastroenterologists, which I believe are poop specialists. A group of them? Yeah, th- she's at a convention. So, they are on a planet, and I hope I pronounced this correctly... They are on the planet Kenatarius. They've evolved to have a symbiote inside them, and that, while it gives them, like, superior intellect and sometimes strength, it also makes them have uncomfortable balance. Well, it's a, big, it's a big universe, I guess. Yeah, and their culture is very much built around going to the bathroom. Like, we find out in later chapters there are communal toilets where everyone just kind of goes, sits down. It's in in the same way you and I would go to a pub. Like, you'd find people going to the communal bathrooms and just letting rip. Well, I suppose you've got to with a society like that, really, haven't you? Mm. Indeed. Wow. So, the Doctor pretends to be the President of Earth, which we actually establish is sort of the case. Like, there is an emergency ruling... In Doctor Who, that can make him the president. Yeah, I think this. Didn't we see that first in the Atmos episodes? I thought it was a bit later Maybe. on. Maybe, yeah, I might be getting confused. But I don't know. It it definitely involved Unit. Yeah, Clara goes to visit a doctor, and we follow that up further in the next chapter. Yeah, so we'll skip to the next. There are eleven chapters, so I'll go through this quite quickly. So, uh, they change her into a hospital gown, and she shoes the doctor out of the examination room. And here's where we have the first, um, I suppose you could describe this as a sex scene. It's certainly an intimate moment where there is, um, there's a small amount of probing with a device described as, like, a seven-inch cucumber... And, yeah, they put some gel on her, and, yeah, she gets probed. And from that, they discover that she has a Kenatarian symbiote inside her. So, there's one of these aliens is living in... It doesn't actually specify where it is in her body that it's living, but it seems to be giving her superior intelligence. <laughs> at the cost of her bowel problems. I hope she puts this intelligence to use in the future, considering all the shit she's got to put up with. Ugh, good grief. So, um, so basically, a little alien who set up camp in Uranus has made her, uh, has made her Einstein. This is how he's paying rent. Yes, <laughs> in exchange for ruining her bowels. Hang on, hang on, no, hang on, hang on. I've just read something. The sim. Biont of Arch Legislator Kytrion, long thought missing, has somehow found its way into the system of Clara Oswald Human. So this 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 fucking thing has a name. It's it's an Arch Legislator <laughs> has found her way into his, her ass. Yes. So, so, so not only does it have 
not only does it have a name, it is famous among the Kenatarians' culture. It is I can't one believe of... you missed that. You're reading this thing wrong, James. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was aware of the Arch Legislator, but I can't remember where it is. Oh, here we are. Arch Legislator Criterion is one of the first space expl- explorers of the Kenatarian society, and he was lost somewhere in deep space, and it appears he has found... <laughs> I don't know what's funny, Nick. This is a serious story. (laughs) (laughs) So somehow, after being lost in space, he's found his way into Clara's butthole. This is slipping into more Hitchhiker's Guide (laughs) of the Galaxy than Doctor Who, isn't it? A little bit. (laughs) It's like a really shit Babelfish. (laughs) You put it in your head and it makes you intelligent. So, the bad news is that you can't remove this symbiont. It will... It's unfortunately bonded to her in such a way that removing it would lead to massive internal bleeding. It will change her on a fundamental level, level apparently. Yes! So, this, this was the other point. This, this story manages to tie itself neatly into the series, the ninth season's... Um, Recurring storyline. So in Doctor Who, there's always, like, a word that kind of keeps coming up. Like, there was the bad wolf thing, there was the torchwood thing. Silence will fall. And for season nine... Yeah, for season nine, he kept talking about the hybrid. So... Oh, right, okay. So Dr. Petru, who's been examining Clara, points out, You're not strictly human anymore, Clara. The symbiont will change you on a fundamental level. And the Doctor goes, You mean... Like a hybrid. (laughs) So with that line, we have neatly tied this into the story of season nine. And I think that's brilliant. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's honestly, this is credit where credit's due. uh, due. This is cracking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed reading The Brown Ascension. So, unfortunately, this means that Clara is now stranded on... Like, she's trapped on Kenataris. Like, she can't leave. Why not? I'll just shove a nappy on her and tell her to fuck off. Well, it's, it's hard to live like that. So she's gone into a society where it's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's living in the society where it's acceptable to just be pooping non-stop. So, with that, they get her a flat, and we move on to the next... Actually, I'm not going to move on to the next chapter just yet, because I want to point out that this chapter ends on one line. Clara's bowels trumpeted their messy ascent. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's and a, that's it's how we end I'm just imagining like a... Da, da, da. <laughs> as she wanders along so we move on to chapter 3 and we skip ahead 3 days she's been living in a flat on this planet and we're introduced to our first new character in this series a woman named where was it Inotis and she is described as a positive Valkyrie of the Kenitarian she was a deep, 
she is a deep, deep purple with a long braid down her back, about six feet tall and curvy. Her belly had some fat on it to complement the Kenatarian bloat, and her bust, thighs, and back were full. And Clara could not help but think cuddly looking. So there's immediately some attraction there to begin with. Apparently, it's because she had a bit of a dry spell. So. Yeah. So it mentions a dry spell, Jane Austen notwithstanding. So this implies that Clara had a relationship with Jane Austen at some point off screen. Hang on. Madam Ambassador, my name is Inotis. I'm busting you out of this joint. So Inotis, eventually, she becomes her bodyguard, and she's there to, like, escort her around the town and, like, take her to things. Oh, oh, okay. So Clara's been in solitary confinement in this this flat for the past three days, and Inotis eventually takes her to a library, I think? Takes her to a communal shitting pool, I can tell you that much. But we'll come back to that, because I've just noticed something. The book specifically mentions Hort Ashbury, an area of California, and this new character is American, so I think we've just pieced together some information about the author. Or just an OC, but probably. Yeah, I think this is is definitely, like, a character who reflects the author's intent, I think, to have a romance with Clara. And spoilers throughout this, there is a romantic relationship between Clara and Inotis. How do they... Do I want to know how they get around the shitting? Oh. Or, don't, or don't they get around the shitting? Is it a, is it a, a feature? They don't get around the shitting. No. So, yeah, basically, um, they've got, like, a, a fun, fudgy spray going on. I'll be honest, you've you've just gone into more detail about the sex than this entire fanfiction really? does. Like, they they skim over it quite oh, a lot. Oh, wow, I'm quite surprised. There's a lot of graphic detail about the pooing. There isn't much about the right, sex. Right, okay. And to be honest, I was quite welcome for that, because sometimes it's nice to, like, change the pace. The Doctor's brought Clara some new underwear, because, like, she needs some new underwear. And then we skip ahead... Ah, Inotis and Clara go shopping together to buy some more changes of clothing, and Inotis uh, goes to the shit house. So they get a couple's room at the shit house. So immediately that implies there is both a communal area where everyone can go, and then a couple's area if like just the two of you want to go together. Okay, when in Rome, I guess. There's some very in-depth discussion of of the shitting. And while the, while they do that, they discuss the, the the relationships with the symbionts. So the arch legislator had a thinker cast symbiont, which makes him more intelligent, and by extension makes Clara more intelligent. And we find out that Inotis has a warrior cast symbiont, which makes her stronger and shit more. It does make her shit more. I'll let me just find the description. I mean, my symbionts warrior cast. We're big on volume. So the warrior cast, they're big on volume, and I think we can leave that there. Moving ahead to chapter four, unless there's any sections you guys see that you want me to explore in more detail. It's it's, it's fine. It's just that every time I look at the text in this fanfic, there's something else. There's there's just something else. There's no. 
there's no bad uh, there's no bad description in it. I think they are certainly very colourful, and it's all hilarious. You have to praise their grammatical like ability. Like they conjure so many images just with all their yeah. pooing. So chapter four, the Osgoods are reintroduced. Now, for those unfamiliar with Doctor Who, the Osgoods are a they're kind of like a set of twins, like one of them is a shapeshifter and one of them is a human. And they, they keep the peace on Earth. Like they they kind of serve as a neutral party between Aliens and I'm humans. blanking on the names of the on the name of the aliens. Oh, they're the Zygons. Zygons, that's the one. They were from the classic seventies one. They're all kind of rubbery. I read a book with them in once. Were they pooing? <laughs> they weren't pooing. No, I've never read anything like this before. I can assure you. <laughs> Neither have I. Yeah, the Osgoods and Clara are just chatting on the phone. Clara is on the oh, toilet. Oh well, I grew up on the weird part of the internet. It's all they say on the matter. Yeah, the Osgoods aren't as phased by this as you would expect. Fifteen years of and browsing paranormal sites, trying to learn about this Dutch person, and instead you get some poor lonely bastard who wants to know if he can shag his tulpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not heard of a tulpa. I don't want to know. A tulpa is an object, is a concept in mysticism and the paranormal. It's kind of like a Buddhist ghost, by the looks of it. Oh, okay. And can you shag your tulpa? I don't... I assume not. It's I'm a ghost. not going to Google that. You're going to have to uh, Google that for me. Tulpa you can Google. That's fairly safe for work. Yeah, so they establish Clara's relationship with Unit at this point. So she's going to be Earth's ambassador on Kenataria and... Establish some kind of trade between the two worlds. Um, so the Osgoods reference Star Trek at this point, and they begin to talk about the Trill race from Deep Space Nine. And the Trill also have a symbiont relationship, and this to me implies that the reader was inspired by that relationship from Star Trek in order to create this race. Um, which I think is interesting. The trill, well, they're the guys with the big heads. No, and unfortunately that doesn't narrow down. So the trill, the trill were the ones with leopard print all along their side, and they have some of them have a a host have like a worm in their belly that gives them past life memories. Useful. Right. Okay. Yeah, this also establishes that this is set after the Zygon yes. version, which is worth noting because it means there's only two episodes between then. And when Clara, and spoilers alert, when Clara dies later on. So, they've really managed to nail the timeline of this fanfiction. Yeah, they've really done the research. Yeah, I'm... Mm. Oh, this is clearly a, a yeah. fan of Doctor Who, and Star Trek, in I'm fact. I'm quite impressed at the, um, at the depth they've gone into so far. Both <laughs> in the chitting and in the... Um... Yeah, depth may have been a poor choice of words. Yeah, subject. Yeah, yeah, depth is a little, yeah, a little bit of a poor choice of words. So, moving on to chapter five, there is a. We've cut. We've cut ahead. They are sat in a pub together. So it's Clara, the Doctor, and Inotus, the six-foot Valkyrie, and. 
they discuss... This chapter is very much a discussion of political ramifications of the earth Kinataria Treaty. Like, there's barely any pooing in this section. Like, it is mostly discussion of politics. Well, so there's, there's some world-building going on. There's a lot of world-building in this. Like, we find out that Earth is reluctant to work with Kinataria, and the Doctor explains that this is because of the Atmos business from a few years prior, which was, if you recall, was a, Sant a Santaran plan to, like, fill the atmosphere with horrible gunk. And similarly, the Adipose thing put Unit off being involved with other races at the same time. And I, th I think that's some great world building. It is, yeah. It, it ties it nicely into the source material. So, while this is going on, Clara gets up to go to the toilet, and someone takes a shot at her. Like, her bodyguard manages to get her down in time, and, yeah, someone is trying to assassinate God, Clara. Why? <laughs> we'll explore the, the motivation of the assassin in later chapters. But first... Uh, and as fans of Doctor Who, you probably know this is coming. First, there is a chase sequence. So the next few paragraphs are the standard Doctor Who, like, running sequences. Running down the corridor in a big cup. Indeed. The only real difference is there is a poo in Clara's shoe. <laughs> and they describe vividly... They describe vividly the squishing as, as she wanders along. <laughs> And but she's excited because it's she's just happy to be doing like Doctor Who stuff with, again. with a t with a turd that has, I presume, made it down her leg into her shoes. Lodged itself in her shoe, yes. So they eventually capture the assassin. Oh, it mentions that Clara's overburdened jeans. So that implies there is more than just the shoe. Going <laughs> it had on. to get to the shoe somehow, didn't it? That's true. I just didn't realise the jeans were completely full. Oh God. So, the assassin is a right-leaning activist, shall we say. A right-leaning activist who wants to keep aliens off so Kinataria. So topical as well. Yeah, so it is topical, especially... Then the Doctor does a rant about how boring these people are, and they've really put a lot of effort into kind of getting the Peter Capaldi rant Oh, down. yeah, hang on, I'd like to read that. The Doctor goes, Do you have any idea how absolutely boring you are? Everywhere I go, there's someone saying this exact sort of thing. Outsiders are dangerous. Keep them out. And that's a boring way to live. Do you know what? People that aren't like you are, in are incredibly interesting. They make, more inter they make you more interesting just because you know about them. There's a lot of very cruel people in this universe. But setting up a little tree fort with a no aliens allowed sign and throwing rocks at any poor fool who goes by, that's one of the most tedious pastimes I can ever think of. Sooner or later, you think your best mate's ears are a little too pointy and you shove him out. And then what? You'll have no friends and nothing to do and a big pile of rocks. Why would you want that? Why would you think that was an okay way to be? That's... Yeah, no, that, that works. That works, yeah. Yeah, like they've done a good job of like getting Doctor Who down, and when they're when they're not talking about poo, this is a really good. <laughs> it's, it's genuinely impressive at, at the lengths they've they've gone to um, to keep this recognisable as Doctor Who. And I'd like to point out that the same chapter that has that iconic speech also ends on the words, 
Clara released one final massive fart. <laughs> I hate to be the ignorant human, but I'm not sure I'd rather burn them. Referring to her trousers that she's going to set fire to after this episode. Oh my fucking god. And at least the author is absolutely self-aware of this too, because in the notes of this chapter it, descri- it says... Come for the pants shitting, stay for the anti-xenophobia monologue. <laughs> and they are absolutely right. I'm staying yeah, for this writing. On. <laughs> Moving on to chapter six. Ah, uh, yes, chapter six. So chapter six is the exception. This is probably the most sexual of the chapters. I won't go into too much detail. We are halfway through at this point. So, Clara comes home after this long, stressful day. Inotis has come with her. The Doctor has presumably gone to the TARDIS. So, Inotis offers her a massage. And Clara assumes she means a back rub. (laughs) And it turns out she means a massage of the butthole. I'm just reading, like, a bit of it, and it's... Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh my god, in, in notice, walked in front of Clara, dropped her trousers, and bent over. Her pucker was at least double the diameter of anything Clara had seen on anyone else. This is normal. What you have is just, I don't know, I mean, uh, a mean joke. <laughs> oh, God, no. Are you certain you're not trying to seduce me? <laughs> so Inotis does reassure Clara that this is, isn't meant to be something sexual, this is just something like two friends would do for each other. There's, there is, a, there is a, a, a description, there is a paragraph, a description of fisting down there. What? <laughs> if anybody's interesting, yes there is. I'm aware there is. I think we shouldn't read that out loud. I don't want to ruin this fanfiction for anyone who wants to go out and read it. Um, I think we should read it out loud. Yeah, read it. Okay, well, we've <laughs> lost our mature rating. We've gone to, oh dear. So, it starts with a notice getting one finger in, then she gets a second one, and they start spreading, then a third, and then Clara finds out her whole hand is in there. And the it ends on, finally, in notice withdrew, and placed more oil on Clara's slackened hole, and then a cone of her fingers penetrated. Clara, so Clara moan shrieked with pleasure. What is a moan shriek? Um, I've no idea. I th- I suppose it starts with a moan and ends in shrieking. <laughs> It's like an <laughs> like that. <laughs> Raggy. It's more like a like a uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've I'm not sure. This is I think this might as a harsh critic, I think this is the weakest description of of this fanfiction. Like cuz I'm not sure what a moan That's I think that's good praise though cuz we're 6 chapters in. There's still not a bad one. So, chapter seven is a bit more domestic. They, um... I, I don't know how much time has passed between these two chapters, but 
Inotis just walks in. Clara's not wearing any trousers. Inotis acts as if this isn't a big deal. Um, they talk a bit more about their relationship, and they decide that what they want to be is secret lovers, because it would be a political scandal at this point if it, they found out Inotis and Clara were dating. Right. And then we cut to the hiking trip. Um, it's just them walking up the hill. Uh, Clara's concerned she's going to shit herself. Um, they talk about uh, Losinich restaurants, which is... Losinich is an area... It's a set of islands on Kenitaria. So there's yet more world building okay. in this story. Um, apparently Losinich restaurants are a great place to meet people because it's a, it's almost a guarantee that when you run into them, you'll then see them at the local toilet the next morning. <laughs> I quite like that. So they set up a tent. There's more pooing. That specifies that they didn't have sex. Yeah, I'm, I'm just on that paragraph now. Yeah, I'm going to read that paragraph. They didn't have sex that night. They didn't even take their shirts off. But they held each other. Clara nuzzling into Inotis' shoulder, Inotis' foot rubbing Clara's, their breathing slowly falling into something resembling unison. God, Inotis was so warm and soft. Clara supposed that wasn't unique, but still. She hadn't slept against someone in a long, in too long, and Inotis... Well, Inotis was honest like no one, and beautiful like too few people. So that's actually quite a wholesome paragraph for such a graphic series. But this beautiful moment is interrupted by a call from the Osgoods. They found a Kenotarian skeleton on Earth by the Golden Gate Bridge, which was roughly where Clara started having symptoms. And that's where we end this chapter, on a cliffhanger, finding out that the original owner of the symbiont was killed on Earth. Uh. See? Political intrigue. This is... I'm kind of impressed the shitting is just one dimension of it. There's so much more plot threads going on, it's, it's great. Yeah, like, there's so much more to the Brown Ascension. <laughs> I didn't expect this, and I feel bad judging a book by its cover. And I know, that's it. There's, you know, there's, there's, um, there's, like, a political thing going on, there's a love story, there's the tiny alien living in Clara's bum. So... So with this news, we begin chapter 8 with them heading straight to the TARDIS so that they can head back to Earth. Uh, Inotis describes the TARDIS in... It, it's, it's the metaphor you'd expect for the Brown Ascension. It's just one line, and it goes, Creators, it's roomier than my first girlfriend's colon in here. How do you do it? Nice. Oh, no. Yeah, they mentioned that Criterion's death is a fixed point in time, and that's why they can't go back and save him. Because once the symbiont was in Clara, if they went back in time and saved him, it would cause a paradox. Oh, for the love of fucking God. So this fanfiction not only has all of these dimensions, it is also 
consistent with time travel within the Doctor Who universe. We also find out that the Doctor is aware of this relationship as they'll bumble around and prevent a major interplanetary incident, all while you two shag and fart and shag more. And Clara is shocked that he knew, and the Doctor says, I'm only clueless about these things. I'm only mostly clueless about these things. Yeah, romance established. I would quite like it if we found out that the author, um, Regret Pile, is actually um, Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat. (laughs) Yeah. Or or Mark Gattis or somebody. (laughs) Connected with Doctor (laughs) Who. Yeah, like this is like one of the big Doctor Who writers. And that's why he, that's why he quit because this is the episode he wanted to be making. <laughs> Season eleven is just set on Kenitaria. The BBC took one look at the script and just. Are you fucking nope. kidding me? Sorry, Steve. You have to go. <laughs> and Jenna Coleman is not going to sign up for this. But what if she did? Oh God. I don't think she would. <laughs> oh, she'd already left by season eleven, so it wouldn't even be her. Yeah, yeah. They'd have to get they'd have to get um, Matt Lucas to do it. <laughs> I think that'd be even funnier. Just just Matt Luke. Matt Lucas in the Brown Ascension. The only similarity is the name, <laughs> and he's they just they just insert they just insert him into the story, um, and expect the viewers not to notice. <laughs> so this paragraph this chapter ends with clara and inotis staying with the osgoods hang on a second um the line before that apparently following an incident with the ponds sex in the tardis was off the table could could (laughs) yes so this further ties in because the ponds having sex in the TARDIS led to River Song, which caused a whole bunch of problems for the Doctor. Oh, I was I was thinking that maybe sort of um, uh, the Brown Ascension and in which Amy has a penis was set in the same universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, not. It is it is in more relation to canonical Doctor Who stuff because River. River got her Time Lord stuff because she was conceived in the TARDIS. Yeah, oh, right, I get you. That's, yeah, that that's even cleverer. Slightly more disappointing, but even cleverer. But Clara and Otis refused to not have sex during this time. So the Osgoods offer to help them, like, stay at her flat. Which is unusual, because Clara, being from Earth, has her own flat. Yeah, they could just go there. It could have just gone there, but the Osgoods insisted they go to her place. And we find out why in the next chapter, because it turns out that the Osgoods have a fetish. Ah. Of course they do. And let's guess what that fetish is going to be. Hmm? Oh, it's it's definitely poo. Yeah. Really? But they they rushed to the Osgoods' flat, Clara's asshole was on fire, and it wasn't... Apparently wasn't due to an upset stomach. Oh, sorry, she hasn't had an upset stomach in a while, so this is unusual. Uh, the Osgoods pipe up that there is something known among the aliens as Harriet Jones's Revenge. Harriet Jones? Is that the... 
Yeah, who was she was the prime minister during the first and the second season of the reboot. M- uh, MP for Flydale North. Oh, that poor woman. Yeah, and now and now it's been tied to the Brown Ascension. <laughs> yeah, they discuss the problem with the food that's leading to an upset stomach. Um, and this is when Clara is met with the horrific revelation that the Osgood's flat only has one toilet. And that's going to be quite difficult for the four of them, especially when two of them are shitting the way they are. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that in mind, Clara returns to the TARDIS to get some chamber pots, and then they all end up shitting together. Wow. Indeed. <laughs> uh, then they discuss that the Osgoods have a fetish, and Inotis talks about hidden lesbian subtext within toilet scenes in Kenatarian films, and... The Osgoods are intrigued by the Kenatarian films. So they're all going to sit together and have a shitty blue movie night. And on their chamber pots, probably. Yeah, they're getting chamber pots from the TARDIS. They're all going to sit around. Oh, for love of fucking God. Because they also wanted to have an upset stomach to have wild bowel movements too. I I had I had hope for this fake, but no, it's... Clara had stocked up on clean knickers with plenty of coverage. Why should you even bother at this point? Why why bother with pants? Just get some nappies. Yeah, I'm surprised, actually, at the lack of nappies in this fuck. Um, I'm not. It's probably a separate fetish. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Oh, good grief. Um, the Doctor... They... they Maybe you've been wondering where the Doctor has been during all Honestly, this. Honestly, I forgot he existed in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clara finally answers that the question I'd been asking, and it turns out he has gone to the 24th century with a bunch, bunch of geologists, because he would rather be doing that than be here. With Clara shitting. Uh, there's quite a tender moment where Clara's head is nestled between Anotis' thighs, which, to be honest, doesn't sound like a good place no. to be, considering like all the farting going on. But I imagine she's used to it at this point. Uh, you'll note this far, there's actually not been any sex. Like I'm almost to the end of this chapter, and... No, I... there hasn't. Is it going to make up for it in the 11th chapter? No. <laughs> the final chapter, or at least the final published chapter of the Brown Ascension, ends entirely on a political note. They have travelled to the 1960s when uh, Arch Thingy Criterion was shot and dumped in the bay. <laughs> so it turns out that the CIA thought the Criterion was working for the USSR. Of course they did. Yeah. So he was writing love letters to someone in Russia, which they interpreted as being blueprints, like secret documents, stuff like that. So he's assassinated. They, of course, can't intervene because it would cause a paradox. So they watch this assassination from the TARDIS. The chapter ends on a notice just discussing how depressing Earth is, like watching... An icon from their world being assassinated on Earth. And then Clara kisses her on the forehead and says, We'll keep 
will keep us safe, you're brilliant, all that stuff. And then the chapter ends. With no shitting in that paragraph. Um... And the fic just ends there. Like, they haven't updated it in the last four years. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, that's... Um, I, I, I didn't think for one second um, that I'd find so, uh, something so hilarious and yet thought, thought-provoking on this website, but here we are. <laughs> I, I also didn't think I'd say this, but this is one I'm going to keep yeah. an eye on. Because if they ever finish this story, I would like to know what happens. Yeah, actually, I would. I'd like to know. I'd like to know how they end up. Because there are clear political implications and all of this sort of thing. It's like an obsidian game with shitting. <laughs> I think they should put that on the box as well. <laughs> it's like obsidian, but shitting. So, unfortunately, I think for us, it looks like the author has moved on to other works in the meantime. Okay. I suspect they won't be coming back to it. But if they do, I will keep both of you updated. Excellent. So, my ratings for this... for this, uh, Where did I put them? So I gave this a 2 out of 5 for romance, because I personally felt that the Anotis Clara thing sort of came out of nowhere, really. Like, there wasn't really much chemistry building up to yeah, it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It sort of got more romantic towards the end. It definitely got more romantic, but it was out of nowhere. And for that, I feel I should, like, take points off from that. Uh, Adherence to canon, I'm actually going to give them a 5 out of 5. Agreed. Everything really just fitted together. Like, to the point where we suspect Stephen Moffat may have been involved (laughs) in the writing of The Brown Ascension. Uh, Quality of literature, I gave a 3 out of 5. Like, they're very colourful with their metaphors. I'm kind of miffed it ended, just on without a proper finale. But they definitely managed to, like, write something good. Like, literally... It's, it, is, it is a shame, but the writing was top-notch. It was mostly about shitting, but it was top-notch. Exactly. And for Mindfuck, I gave it a 4 out of 5. Because it, it's about shitting. Like... <laughs> There's so much in-depth discussion. I know, and I don't want to kink shame anyone. But you're going to. <laughs> I'm. I feel I may have to, because. But the rest of it was fantastic, and I would definitely come back and read more works by Regret Pile. And on the off chance Regret Pile ever listens to this, thank you. You really entertained mm. me. Yeah, it was. It was a pleasure to listen to, and I might actually go back and. When I get time, um, I might actually go back and read that myself. I I would recommend it. And I think the takeaway from this episode is I would recommend The Brown Ascension. I Would you, would you guys recommend the fanfictions you had? No. <laughs> okay. I don't recommend yours either. It sounds like shite. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's just... Sh- oh... <laughs> Does um, uh, I really like I really like how you're avoiding you're avoiding saying it sounds like shit. I'm not avoiding it at all. It sounds like shit. There's shit in it. There's shit all over it. It's all about <laughs> fucking shit, isn't it? Like 
Damn, guys. I mean, I don't want to kink shame, but I am. <laughs> My God, <laughs> just sake. I've, I've sat here, aided, <laughs> listening to this absolute tripe about farting and being turned on. I was like, oh, God's sake. And, you're, and I'm listening to you two going, oh, it's well written and I love the political injury. Like, guys, it's a scat fic. Are you fucking serious? Like, God's sake. Honest to God. That's it, folks. We're two episodes in. We've already broken grace. That's all. We can all go home now. I expected Grace would be the last person to break. I haven't broken. I'm just... Oh, I don't know what I am. I'm just... I'm gobsmacked. I'm just... Oh, what, no, no words. It's just it's Like, my battery has ran out. <laughs> Almost completely, so I'm going. In that case, I think it's probably time for us to call it there. Thank you for listening to The Shipping Forecast. I didn't intend it to turn into the shitting forecast, but here we are. Goodbye for now. I've been James. I've been Nick. I'm not here. (laughs) Grace has been angry. Goodbye.